Hi, this is Bob Bostock, and welcome to Discover DEP, the official podcast of the New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection. Each week, we talk with DEP experts about how we protect and preserve New Jersey's air, water, land, and natural and historic resources. So that you'll never miss one of our podcasts, please subscribe to Discover DEP on iTunes or Google Play. You can also follow DEP on the web at nj.gov DEP. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy our podcast. Hi, this is Bob Bostock, and welcome to another edition of Discover DEP. Today we are joined by Sue Schutte, Resource Interpretive Specialist at Ringwood State Park. Sue is here to tell us about Ringwood Manor. Ringwood Manor is a National Historic Landmark District and a part of Ringwood State Park. Its historical importance spans from the Native American times through the early 20th century and even now into the 21st as a wonderful place to visit. With original historical structures, gardens, and landscapes on 582 acres and extensive historic collections illustrative of family life, community, industry, and culture, Ringwood Manor is a unique repository of American history covering many centuries. So, Sue, thanks so much for joining us today to talk about Ringwood. Thank you for having me. Well, we're delighted to have you. Tell us about Ringwood State Park. Where is it? What will we find there? Why should we go there? Okay. Well, Ringwood State Park is located in Ringwood, New Jersey, which is in Passaic County. So it's in the upper northeastern quadrant of the state of New Jersey. We're right along the border with New York State, actually. And we're about a half an hour to 45 minutes from New York City. And we are in this little nook of New Jersey that is very close to urban areas, but it's still beautiful and natural. And it contains all these wonderful natural features that people can visit and see when they come to Ringwood State Park. I can remember as a child, my mother taking my brother and sister and me to Ringwood State Park to go swimming in Shepherd Lake. That's true. Uh, Shepherd's one of three main core areas of Ringwood State Park, which includes the Ringwood Manor section, Skylands Manor in the New Jersey State Botanical Gardens, and then Shepherd's Lake as well. Yeah, it's a great place to uh, swim and see tadpoles and stuff like that when we were young. Yeah, Yeah, it was great. Nice sandy beach. It's Mm -hmm. a great place. If you haven't been there, you should go. The central part of Ringwood Park is Ringwood Manor, Mm -hmm. which is quite a place. Yes. So tell us about Ringwood Manor. So Ringwood Manor, as you see it today, was the summer estate of the Cooper and Hewitt families in the mid-19th century to the early 20th century. So the families lived there between 1854 and 1936. Are they the same family that founded the Cooper Hewitt Museum? That's correct. So the Coopers and Hewitts were family members and also business partners. And when they purchased the estate in 1854, it was very much an industrial complex. It had been an operational ironworks company since the 1740s. But when Mrs. Hewitt arrived, she saw a great potential to turn it into a summer estate or a country estate for the family. And she is the one credited for expanding the manor house to its present size. So the manor house existed, but it was expanded that's correct. There was a small home that existed on the property that was built by the Ryerson family in 1807, and it was a 10-room home, which was a lovely, small, federal-style home, but she thought that it needed to be bigger for her large family and all the entertaining they would do. And she kept putting on addition after addition, and so many so that her son once wrote that if she lived to be 100, the house would be 100 feet longer than it is. <laughs> and so the house currently is 226 feet long. There are 51 rooms, 13 bathrooms, and 24 fireplaces in it, and wow. it was a country estate for the family. What a lovely little cottage. Absolutely. Correct. (laughs) 
You had mentioned that when the Coopers and Hewitts got the place, it mm-hmm. was kind of an industrial facility going back to the kind of the first half of the 18th century. Mm-hmm. What kind of business was there? Was it iron? Is that what they It did? was. It was an ironworks complex. The area of the Ramapo Mountains, which is where Ringwood Manor is situated, is very rich in iron deposits. And this is magnetite iron. And so it was discovered in around 1740 by the first European explorers of the area. So it was a an iron operation starting in 1740, right up until the Coopers and Hewitts purchased the property. And they, it was still operating through World War One. Those ironworks played pretty significant role in American history, didn't they? That's true. The iron from the ironworks in the area was utilized in all of the American conflicts, starting actually with the French and Indian War, the Revolutionary War, War of 1812, Civil War, World War One, and the mines were commissioned to be open during World War II, although they were not actively mined by the government during that time period. And then they were closed after World War II ended. So going as far back as the French and Indian War and the Revolution, mm-hmm. they used that iron to make what sorts of things for the military? All sorts of things, starting with cannonballs, Camp stoves for that were portable during the Revolutionary War era, bar and pig iron, which was then melted down and made into all sorts of products, as simple things like utensils, but of course cannons and cannonballs and, and uh, weapons is that type of thing. During the Civil War, they even made dictator class mortars for the North and the Union Army. And at one point in time, Cooper Hewitt iron was used for the Capitol Dome in, in Washington, D.C. So it was used for a number of different items. So once the Coopers and Hewitts kind of moved out there, and I guess, did they, did they continue the iron at the same extent, or did they kind of ratchet it back a little bit? They did continue the iron at the same extent. They owned several different ironworking complexes throughout northern New Jersey, uh, New York State, and Pennsylvania. And while Mrs. Hewitt turned portion of the property into her summer or country estate, there was a vast majority of the 22,000 acres that they owned that was still used as an operational ironworks company. That's probably where all the money came to add on all those rooms. Absolutely. Yeah. The Coopers and Hewitts were operating an ironworks company right at the time that that resource was really necessary uh, for the development of the United States, not only Western expansion, but um, also buildings and skyscraper structures. And of course, again, for a different armed conflicts during that time period. So the manor house, is it open to the public? It is. It's, we're open five days a week, Wednesday through Sunday, all year round. And tours happen between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. And what can you expect to see when you go tour the house? You get to see 30 of the 51 rooms. And the wonderful thing about the Hewitt family was when they donated the house and the property to the state of New Jersey in 1936, they left the house fully furnished. So you will see all of the original contents of the house. You experience the house just as if you were a guest of theirs in the 19th century. You see everything the way it was when they lived there. There must be some fascinating artifacts in that house that stretch back probably into the 19th century, I would imagine. Absolutely. As you mentioned before, the Cooper and Hewitt families were the people who established the Cooper and Hewitt National Design Museum, and they, as a family, were a family of collectors. So we have a very unique collection inside the house. We have things like Civil War firearms and long guns. We have European objects, such as a sedan chair, which dates back to the 17th century. We have beautiful pieces of artwork by famous artists from the Hudson River School. And we have things like furnishings, decorative arts, and even things like rugs and blankets that they would have had in the house. Wow. And and is the kitchen kind of a circa 1930s kitchen? Unfortunately, the kitchen hasn't been open to the public yet. It is in part of the house that we haven't restored to the public, but it is in our plans to restore within the next four or five years to have it open to the public. That's great. Yeah. Now, I almost hate to ask this question Mm because I don't want to jinx anything, but... If something was happening to the house and there was only in these 51 rooms and there was one piece that you were able to 
rush in there and take out before it perished. And we won't say how. Maybe it's a, a meteor coming down, you know, <laughs> as opposed to some other things that, you know, I don't, I don't want to jinx. What would you run in there and take out? Well, in the horrible circumstances you described, if that were to come, I would always choose the original guest books of the family. We are lucky enough to have four original guest books that the Hewitt family collected or kept, and all of their guests and visitors would sign in, and they drew artwork and had paintings and their poems and little stories that they all wrote when they came to the house. And I always choose those items because I feel like those are the best representatives of what the house was to the family, which was a place of relaxation and vacations, socializing with their friends, and having all sorts of people come out and visit them. And I would imagine since they were a wealthy and prominent family, there were probably some pretty prominent people who came through. Absolutely. Who were, what are some of the names that are in that book? We have uh, signatures from the Vanderbilt family. We have uh, Buffalo Bill Cody was a guest who came to visit the house. We have people like Grover Cleveland, the Prince and Princess of Wales at one point came to visit as well. So you have people from all facets of society at the time, art artists, uh, architects, landscape designers, but also scientists, inventors, businessmen, and entrepreneurs. So it's a real slice of life from that period from the, I guess, the mid-19th century into almost the mid-20th century. Some of the most prominent people, not only in the United States, but in the world. Absolutely. And they had visitors from all over. And the nice thing about Ringwood was it was only an hour train ride out from New York City. So it was very easily accessible to both the family and their friends. And people could come out for a weekend to just relax, or they could come out for weeks at a time to visit. Do you still maintain a guest book for visitors today? We do. And we love it when people sign in. We get people from all over the world coming to visit as well, which is fun to see. And do they write poems and draw pictures? No, unfortunately, <laughs> they don't. I think they're a little bit too shy to do those types of things. But certainly they are welcome to if they want to come and leave us a little bit of an impression of what yeah. they like at, at Ringwood. What a great tradition that yeah. would tie you all the way back to the early stages of the manor. Now, the park is more than the manor, although yes. the manor in and of itself is quite impressive. Mm -hmm. What else would we expect to find in Ringwood State Park? So at Skylands Manor, you are surrounded by the New Jersey State Botanical Gardens. The botanical gardens were adopted by the state of New Jersey in the 1960s. And there are 30 different outdoor gardens that are considered our state gardens. So you can see things in bloom at all different times of the year. There's also another historic manor house there, Skylands Manor, which is open for tours one Sunday of month. It's usually the first Sunday of the month. And then as you mentioned earlier, we have Shepherd's Lake Recreation Area where people can come to go swimming in the summertime. You can also go boating. It is stocked, so you can go fishing if you're a fisherman and an angler. And we also have a great little picnic facility there as well. And certainly anybody who's an outdoor enthusiast, we have lots of hiking and biking trails throughout all of the sections of the park. So certainly people can come and use all these different trails. If you're looking for a very easy hike, we have those. And if you're looking for something more challenging, we have those as well. So why is Skylands Manor only open one day a month? Is it not quite refurbished yet or... It's actually because the collections of the building are no longer with the building. So um, it went from private ownership and it was then used as a college. It was called Shelton College for about eight years. And then the state of New Jersey acquired it. So by that time, the college had actually sold off any of the original furnishings and contents, anything that was left from the family that lived there. Uh, now it's actually used by a catering company that uh, leases it from the state of New Jersey. It's a bed and breakfast. So you can stay over in the building if you'd like. And they also do weddings and events out of the building as well. So if you would really like to stay and enjoy Ringwood State Park for many days and really explore all the different options there. Staying overnight in Skylands Manor is a great option. Yeah, that's kind of fun, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, we all <laughs> stay in an old place like that. 
Now, when people come, is there a fee to come to the park or to tour the home, or how does that work? Sure. In the summertime, from Memorial Day to Labor Day, there are uh, fees for parking only, so it's a per-car parking fee. In the manor house itself, there are fees additional for tours, and our general tour is $3 for adults. It's a dollar for children ages 6 to 12, and kids 5 and under are free. That would be a bargain at twice the price. I think so. And how long does the tour last? The tour is on average about an hour and 15 minutes, although we do a couple different specialty tours in addition to the regular tour of the manor house. We also have a child's life tour for children, which is a bit shorter. It focuses more on the Hewitt children's lives at the manor house. So we're talking about all the, the hijinks and the different trouble that the children got into while they were at the house. And we also have grounds and gardens tours of the exterior property and the other outbuildings that are on the grounds of of Ringwood Manor, and those are about two hours long. And do you need a reservation to take a tour? No, you don't. You only need a reservation if you're bringing a group of 10 or more. We do special group tours for any group that's larger than 10 people. But on our regular day, you certainly can show up, and we offer multiple tour times throughout the day that you would be able to, to enjoy. I understand, and it's kind of hard to think about Christmas at this time of year with mm-hmm. spring coming, <laughs> although the weather lately it feels more like December than spring. Mm-hmm. But understand Ringwood Manor is particularly well decorated and outfitted at the holiday season. Absolutely. We have an annual event there that is the Victorian Christmas event. It's been going on for more than 40 years. The Women's Club of West Milford comes in every year and decorates the house in Victorian Christmas decorations and decor. And people love to come through. And that's done as an open house format. So people can come through and wander through the house at their own pace. They can spend a half an hour in the building or they can spend three hours in the building as much as they'd like. That's great. I want to ask you a little bit more about the botanical garden. Does the garden include just flowers that are native to New Jersey, or is the collection a little wider than that? It's The collection is much wider than that. The original owner of Skylands Manor, Clarence McKenzie Lewis, he considered himself a an amateur horticulturalist, but I would think most people today would consider him much more than that. He collected species from all over the world. So there are some very rare species of not only plants and flowers, but also trees and shrubs as well throughout the grounds there. Now, how do you maintain the garden? Are there volunteers that help or... Yes, uh, there there are paid staff, uh, full-time staff members, which um, particularly are trained in horticultural and landscape design. And then we have a great nonprofit group called the Skylands Association. They provide lots of volunteers, many of whom are master gardeners through the Master Gardeners Program that give hundreds of hours of their time to help maintain the gardens throughout the year. I would imagine that's a pretty big job. Absolutely. We can use all the help we can get. <laughs> and are there other opportunities for people to volunteer in the park? Absolutely. There's a number of ways that people can get involved at the park. You can volunteer as an individual through the park if you have a special skill set or are looking to do a very a particular item, or you can actually volunteer through our nonprofit friends organizations. And we have several friends organizations that work for the park. We have organizations that are strictly interested in the historic and historic preservation aspect. We have groups such as the New York, New Jersey Trail Conference who help maintain the hiking and trails throughout the property. The Ramapo Valley Cycling Club and other mountain biking clubs also help maintain the property. And And then you have, again, the gardens clubs. So we have lots of partners who help us keep up all of this property. That's great. Mm -hmm. We talked a little bit about the Victorian Christmas. Are there Mm -hmm. other special events that happen throughout the years? Maybe some that aren't quite so far away in terms of the calendar? Absolutely. Coming up shortly, we have a 19th century baseball event that happens at Ringwood Manor, where we have groups who actually play the game using 19th century rules, equipment. Their uniforms are all period authentic. And so that's a really fun outdoor game um, if people are interested in baseball or baseball enthusiasts. We also have an antique and vintage fair coming up in June. And then we do a very large 
Orange 4th of July event, which is a reenactment of a traditional reading of the Declaration of Independence, which is how people got the news that the Declaration was actually signed in 1776. And so we have a huge event that happens on the 4th of July, kind of recreating that day. That sounds like a lot of fun. It is. They all sound like a lot of fun. Yes. I've been to some of those vintage baseball games. And if you think you know baseball, you don't know 19th century baseball. (laughs) There's a lot of different rules and no gloves, I understand. That's correct. Um, Sometimes you're allowed to peg people to get them out. Uh, There are some different rule changes. And the equipment is a little bit different. The balls are actually more akin to like a softball would be. Because as you mentioned, they don't wear gloves. So they have to be a little bit softer when they're trying to catch them. And I think if you can catch it on one bounce, that's still an out, That's true. That's correct, yes. Yeah, yeah. When I was playing Little League, I wish they'd had that rule. (laughs) I would have had a better fielding percentage. But regardless of that, what else do you want to tell us about Ringwood Manor and Ringwood State Park? I think Ringwood State Park is one of those hidden gems. It's in a very strange area of the state in terms of its geographic location. So sometimes it gets overlooked as people are heading up to the Hudson River Valley to enjoy those historic houses, or they're heading west towards the western parks uh, along the Delaware River. But we have so much to offer. There's something for everyone. And we have all different events, not only park-sponsored events, but outside companies and that come to do events at the park throughout the year. So there's always something going on. And even if you just want to come to have a picnic lunch. We have facilities for that. So there's something for everyone. So tell us, do you have a favorite story about the manor house or anything in the park? There are so many about the manor house. The Hewitts really did have personality. Um, One of the Hewitt sons, Edward Ringwood Hewitt, wrote a book called Ringwood Manor Home of the Hewitt. And it was a memoir kind of recounting his childhood experience at the house. And let's just say the Hewitt sons, the three sons, were not always the nicest people to their guests. Um, Certainly they were into practical jokes a lot of the times. And so in telling this these stories, Edward often recounts things that they did to their their guests. And one of the nastier things that they did was a woman was lamenting the fact that she wished she had blonde hair or at least blonde streaks in her hair and highlights. And later that afternoon, they saw her asleep in a hammock out in the sun and they decided to help her out by pouring peroxide down her center part and essentially bleached out the center of her hair making her look like a skunk almost and when she woke up of course she was absolutely horrified quickly packed up her things and caught the next train out of town and they said the next time they saw her in new york city a few days later the blonde was mysteriously gone so they she did not quite appreciate you know their assisting with her you know looks at that point in time They also did things to their sisters' bows or men that were interested in dating their older sisters. Like uh, at one time there was a gentleman they didn't particularly like. So they helped him out by removing his clothes from his luggage and putting a 19 pound raccoon in it instead. And so at the time you had porters who actually handled your luggage and he did not realize his clothing was missing until he went all the way up to Newport to visit the Vanderbilts. And when he opened up his suitcase, of course, this really upset raccoon comes jumping out at him and Eddie recounts that you know my sister didn't marry that one so (laughs) they certainly gave the family a run for their money Uh, when you came to Ringwood Manor you expected to have some hijinks and practical jokes going on it reminds me of the story uh, Teddy Roosevelt was once asked he had a rather rambunctious daughter Alice Mm -hmm. Uh, and when he was president somebody uh, asked him you know why don't you 
take better control of Alice. And he said, well, I can run the country or I can run Alice. I can't possibly do both. <laughs> it was true. Uh, somebody once asked Mrs. Hewitt why she allowed her children to get away with these things. And she always kind of poo-pooed it and said, they'll all grow up to be productive adults. And they did. So whatever she was doing with her children, it worked out in the end. They all did become productive adults at one point or another. Great stories. Great stories. So how did you get involved with the park? I grew up locally. I ended up doing my master's degree in historic preservation planning and had always been fascinated by the building. I, like a lot of people, were brought to the park as a child, kind of grew up uh, loving the place. And it was through a stroke of good luck that I ended up getting hired by the state of New Jersey to work at Ringwood State Park. And it's been you know, a dream of mine to actually work there and help restore and maintain the collections there. How long have you been at the park? Uh, 14 years now oh, as a full-time uh, permanent employee, yes. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, I think everybody listening can certainly hear your enthusiasm uh, for the park and uh, I know certainly having been there a long time ago I'm now ready to go back again this weekend my gosh if I can figure that out I'll do it because it sounds like such fun and uh, and such a great place to visit and as you said one of the hidden gems in New Jersey uh, one of the interesting things we found out about this podcast is even though we're a pretty small state uh, from a geographic standpoint and even though we're the most densely populated state in the Union, there are all sorts of treasures like this that are often overlooked, and they should not be, uh, because our state certainly has a very interesting uh, history that really plays such a role in the history of the country, mm-hmm. and then the development of the country, really, in the 19th century industrialization and all the rest. You know, talked about the ironworks. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really cool, yeah. uh, iron from that area helping us win wars and in buildings all over the country and around the world. So much to offer up there at Ringwood State Park. So, Sue Schutte, I really appreciate your coming down here to Trenton from Passaic County to share with us some of the great things that go on at Ringwood and some of the great things to see and do up at Ringwood State Park. And as soon as the weather gets a little warmer, I'm sure the crowds will grow. So folks might want to get there a little earlier than that so they can take their time and not uh, have to worry about uh, seeing crowds because I can't help but think that during the summer you'll probably get a little crowded. We do get a little (laughs) crowded, but that's always nice to see because it means people are enjoying the park. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate your uh, being here today to tell us about Ringwood State Park. And as always, we have on the description of this podcast links that folks can click on to learn more about the park, more about the events that are going on there, the history, and the many things that you can do to spend a great afternoon here in New Jersey. So, Sue, thanks again so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Discover DEP. If you have comments on the podcast or ideas for future podcast topics, please email us at podcast at dep.nj.gov. Enjoy the rest of your day.